Let's imagine the not-too-distant future. You feel more in control of your photos than you ever have before. You look forward to the regular creative dates on your calendar. You're moving forward on that project that means so much to you. You are on fire with inspiration, and you are finally scrapbooking consistently. This is not a hypothetical, it's a real-life possibility. And for the first time, I've created a workshop specifically focused on the problem of consistency. It's called Sparked, and I'm excited to share it with you for free. Visit simplescrapper.com sparked to get access to the training and make this possibility your reality. Extravagant hope to me is stubborn hope. It's the kind of hope that like puts on a feather boa and marches out into the street, even though it's pouring rain and no one's going to see you and all your gorgeous garb. Um, It is the kind of hope that pushes back on the reality that life is just really hard. It just, it's really hard. And I mean that even pre pandemic, like it is hard to be a human Um, and in very different ways for different people. And so extravagant hope doesn't offer some magic solution. It says, Hey, there are things in our ordinary life when we pay attention and are present to ourselves and to the people in our community, um, whether that be in person or online, that can help get us through. Welcome to Scrapbook Your Way, the show that explores the breadth of ways to be a memory keeper today. I'm your host, Jennifer Wilson, owner of Simple Scrapper and author of The New Rules of Scrapbooking. This is episode 150. In this episode, I'm joined by Brandy Kincaid for a heart-filled conversation about boundaries and hope for makers, crafters, and creative spirits. Hey, Brandy, welcome to Scrapbook Your Way. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I am just thrilled to be having this conversation. I feel so fortunate to get to talk to you because I am inspired on the daily by your work. And I can't wait for our audience to get to know you better if there's anyone out there that doesn't know who you are. Can you start by sharing just a little bit about yourself? Yeah. So um, I live with my husband and our small dog, Agiru, in Bellingham, Washington, which is north of Seattle and pretty much at the Canadian border. We've lived out here for a little over a decade. We're actually from the East Coast. Um, So I'm not sure if I consider myself a Pacific Northwestern person, Um, but we really love it out here. My husband works in public transport and I work for myself. Um, I'm so used to saying that I work as a freelance illustrator, but that's kind of changed this past year. And I just haven't had someone ask me since that shifted. So I just work for myself. And one day a week, I work at our local museum of art and history. Oh, how delightful. Now I'm curious what label you might put on yourself now then. um what labels are you toying with (laughs) yeah I think that I'm trying to bust out of some of the labels and I'm a maker and Mm -hmm. a sharer and those are two really basic core pieces of what I do I mean essentially right now I'm a hope dealer (laughs) Um, I deal (laughs) in hope and the nitty-gritty is that I have a business where 
I do subscription and one-off mailers every single month. So concretely, I design and print to produce something that I send to people through the mail. Uh, but in a bigger sense, I like to think that <laughs> I'm, I mean, is a hope dealer, is that a thing you can be? It's, I don't want to be a drug dealer, but I feel like a hope dealer is something that I feel pretty comfortable with. I think that's brilliant. And that should be in your Instagram tagline if it's not already. <laughs> <laughs> so we love to ask our guests, what is exciting you right now? So no, you're no longer actively scrapbooking, but some of you, some of our listeners may know you as having been a scrapbooker and designed scrapbook products. So what is inspiring you right now and exciting you? Yeah. Um, two things are really catching my attention right now. One is um, I am really loving the new Awesome Ladies Project app, um, the community of storytellers that has been produced and is kind of being fostered with um, those creatives who are sharing what they're doing outside some of the normal platforms, you know, just Instagram and things like that. I really love seeing anyone create something new that is scary, but tied to the core of like who they want to be in the world. And so seeing that project come to life is really inspiring. Uh, and the other thing that's really, this is less concrete, but I'm, I'm noticing it everywhere is people really blurring the lines and boundaries of how they define what they do. And so someone who said, you know, I really just do project life, pocket page, memory keeping, that type of thing. And then I used to do scrapbooking and it was very compartmentalized and I'm watching people bend and shift and include art journaling and different forms of like memory planning and really allowing themselves to explore these different avenues with how they're telling the stories without feeling like they are having to change their identity completely to do it. So the fluidity of, of how we're embracing um, how our stories need to be told differently depending on what season we're in. That's yes. really, really inspiring to me. Yes. And that is a million percent why I wanted to have you on this particular series of episodes and why we're creating the series about more in 2022 of, you know, exploring these things that maybe we're, we're craving or needing and we're wanting to maybe experiment with and figure out how does that fit into our values and our vision and our identity. So, yay, I'm so excited. <laughs> you mentioned story. So what is on your story bucket list? So these are typically deeper, more meaningful things that, you know, even the non-scrapbooker out there always feels like I really need to make sure this thing gets captured for the future. Yeah. Um, so I am someone who doesn't shy away from the deeper, more meaningful, especially harder stories, the heavier mm -hmm. ones. And so I was thinking about this, knowing that this is something that you like to ask. And for me, it's not so much a story. I'm not sure I have a lot of rocks that have been left unturned. There will be new things that happen that I will need to tell. Mm -hmm. Um, for, for me, my really boring bucket list is <laughs> finding a way to keep braver boundaries so that I'm able to share my heart in a less guarded way, essentially to be able to give more of what I want to give. So instead of starting to tell a story, but holding back a little bit, because I think it will be too much or to something for someone else, really trusting that even if it is, it's important for me to tell it. And it's important for me to tell it in the way I need to tell it. 
So I think there are more smaller stories that would be on my kind of like bucket list of stories to tell that I just want to tell more fully and more bravely with less uh, guarding or apprehension about how it's being received and more just embracing how I get to deliver it. Oh, wow. That, that is so powerful because I know so often when I'm sharing things on Instagram, there's there's things that I, I want to say, but sometimes it feels uh, putting too much of the spotlight on me that I'm trying to get attention when really I would just hope that somebody is one could learn from my own experience. So there's such a, you know, a delicate balance there. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe we could kind of, before we go forward here and talk about what you're doing right now and, and maybe where you see yourself going, can you share a little bit more about your creative journey to, and to where, how you got to this place today of being a hope dealer? Yeah. Um, so I have always been a maker. I grew up in a family of creative people. My mother... <laughs> could do anything. And she did. I mean, she just took up hobbies and projects and uh, was really inspired to live with her hands in the world. And so was her mother. So that has been a part of my foundation from the very start. I always like to say that their big push was, if you need something or you want something, then you need to make it. Um, We weren't going to just go to the store and buy something. You were going to have to bring it to life. And so Growing up with that nudge towards curiosity and creativity, I really never felt some of the boundaries around what I could do. It was all an option. It was more just what I was willing to give my time to. And Mm -hmm. so um, that has shifted over the years, obviously. Some of it hasn't. I mean, I've always been a writer of some form and um, pursued art in some way. But then around... 2013, my mom was diagnosed with cancer and I was across the country and, you know, going to visit and spending time with her and watching her daily life change completely, just her normal ins and outs. And me being a creature of routine and habit so much and needing those, the consistency of those habits, uh, I really started to pay attention to how important it was to tell those daily kind of stories, to write it down. Uh, and to embrace and appreciate them. So I started doing Project Life and uh, really enjoyed that process and found a great community there of people who were telling stories and spun that off into doing um, scrapbooking in every different form. I don't know if there's like a size or form that I haven't tried, uh, digital and hybrid and physical. And that really kept me in good stead for a long time because I did lose her. Um, she passed away in 2016. And it gave me a way to tell the stories I needed to tell in my own voice uh, during a really challenging time. So I kept memory keeping through all of that. Um, and I didn't decide to take a break until, goodness, 2019 or 2020. Um, of course, I'm still telling stories. There's, If you are a storyteller, you will always find a way to tell your story. Sure. The forms just look a little bit different uh, now. I'm curious if that decision was pre-pandemic or during pandemic. 
it was actually pre-pandemic. Uh, I was on a number of design teams, really beautiful, great ones, and um, was also designing a lot of scrapbooking and paper crafting products. And what I started to notice for me is that I was beginning to feel a tug or a shift away from needing and wanting to telling to tell my own stories. And um, for for me, for the purpose of recording them and having them to go back to and being really honest on the page and doing it as part of a job or uh, feeling the tug of what someone else really wanted to see. You know, people really like this format or they're used to you doing it in this way. And so I was tugged more towards that and I really lost a little bit of my grounding in it about why I was doing it and what kind of stories I wanted to tell. And so I just thought, it's okay to take a break. Uh, (laughs) I do want to say that it was not that easy. I didn't just suddenly say, it's okay to take a break. I thought about taking a break for a while before I did. um, And then once I did, it was like, okay, I remember that we can make changes and it doesn't stop what we do, changes the way it comes out. So it was definitely pre-pandemic, but I'm sure that that helped solidify that amount of time because I took on other projects, having more time at home. Yes. Whenever, you know, they say when you uh, close a door, another window opens, right? So I'm I'm terrible with idioms, but... Can you share more about what you're passionate about creating right now? So as you've made this shift, like now, like where is your focus? Hmm. So I do a number of different types of creative work right now. Uh, One is my journal. So uh, right now I'm using a format of a square. I think it's like, let's say eight by eight. I do it in a watercolor sketchbook because I often like to add watercolor to my pages. And so I always start with a watercolor base, whether I'm binding my own books or buying them from someone else. That way, no matter what, I know that the paper will hold the paint. Mm -hmm. Um, If it doesn't, it's still really gorgeous paper. And so I'm happy to have that in my hands. I'm a really tactile person. So I journal... And they are no pressure kind of pages. So I include scraps of things that came in the mail. So someone sent me a card, but the envelope was gorgeous or the stamps on it were gorgeous. Or um, a catalog came and I was really inspired by some of the colors on it. Uh, Quotations that I'm loving. I record actual like long form journaling about how I'm feeling, what's going on. I am never looking to make it... Um, you can't see air quotes. So quote unquote, pretty. Uh, It's not meant to be polished. It's meant to kind of allow myself to tumble out on the page. It is absolutely memory keeping, but just in a very different form. Uh, There are some pictures here and there, but not a ton of them. But honestly, I'm not a huge picture taker to begin with. And so I like the freedom of knowing that a memory is still a memory, whether it's in a photo or in a sentence. So it's been a good place to embrace that. Um, I also do a lot of art journaling, which has less uh, recording of daily things. I'm not saying like, oh, we went to the store today and here's what I did. Uh, It's more a recording of just a visual or just a moment, something that inspired me on the page. A little more freeform, I guess I would say. Those are probably the two biggest ways that I am creatively coming alive and playing and exploring, um, you know, in my day-to-day life right now. 
It sounds like that you've and kind of you kind of touched on this with your decision to stop scrapbooking, but you very much kind of divided yourself between these are my professional creative endeavors and the types of things that I do. And then these are my personal creative endeavors. And this is like trying to, you know, draw little boxes around that for, for various reasons. Is that, is that accurate? I think so. I mean, my boxes are porous. So it's like those little cardboard <laughs> ones with the holes cut out so the pet can breathe inside. Um, in the sense that I'm always pulling from one pool into the other when it comes to energy and inspiration. Mm-hmm. But when you do something for a living that's also connected to something that you feel passionate about creatively or a hobby, I do find or I have found out the hard way how necessary it is to not commodify everything. And so that's a big piece of the boundary. I have a sketchbook, like a black and white. I just use a brush pen on a white page and I draw on it. And I love it because while I pull from it for inspiration later, because I really think there's no way not to, I'm not trying to sell those pages. I'm not trying to scan them in and sell them. I am not um, selling art journal pages, or there's a line where I don't have to make money off of it, or I don't have to care if anyone likes it. I just have to be present on the page. And that is a really important and freeing part of creating. I think that we have this amazing community now where if you want to grow and sell what you do and make a living from it, that's available to you. And that is just fundamentally awesome. But Mm -hmm, it can also be overwhelming. And uh, I think it's easy for us to be confused whether or not we want to sell what we do, or we think we really should want to just because someone else wants to buy it. Um, It is a compliment when someone wants to invest what they have in what we do, but it doesn't mean it's one that we have to kind of have come to fruition. You know? Yes, yes. I'm curious if your social media boundaries are as porous or are they more rigid? <laughs> um, I think they've become slightly more rigid over the last few years, but they are definitely still porous in the sense that I'm a pretty porous person. Um, I'm a very sensitive person, and uh, I don't think there's any way for me to really wall or close things off and I don't have an interest in it. That said, I know myself very well. So I don't check numbers. I don't check who follows, unfollows. I'm not looking at how many people are liking a post or commenting on it or um, it's not a healthy place for me. Some people can do that and do it well and really use it as a tool to help them grow. And I don't begrudge them that at all. I am not that person. <laughs> I am tenderhearted and, you know, I'm pretty much 40 years old and I know this about myself. And instead of fighting against it, I work with it, which is to say um, Instagram or whatever platform I'm choosing to use cannot be a place for me where I'm trying to win <laughs> or do really well at it. Um, So all of those tips and tricks and tools that are out there, those are not for me because I tend to not get anything out of them. I just get really worked up and sad that I haven't, you know, reached someone a certain way or disappointed someone or so in order to have fun with it and to be able to share honestly, uh, I just make sure that I'm not 
treating that space as as a business or as a way that I'm trying to just please everyone. Or even as a way to, I don't know, fill your, fill your well. Maybe the creating part is what we can't be using social media as a way to um, validate ourselves. Yes. Because there's so much number of likes. (laughs) We are. And there's so much you can't see. Uh, You know, we all just kind of, there's so many comments out there about the algorithm. And, you know, I think about it like this, like big fuzzy monster that's just kind of like running around loose that everyone's chasing. And the, (laughs) the reality is that like, we can't know what's actually going on. And so when we don't know, it's easy because we are storytellers to tell ourselves a story that seems to make sense, which is, I didn't get a lot of likes on this. It's not very good. I'm not doing a very good job. I probably shouldn't keep trying this. You know, oh, well. When the real story could be something totally different um, and out of outside of our control, have nothing to do with what someone made, especially those who are just starting out. Like, you make your first scrapbook page. I mean, my first scrapbook page was atrocious. Um, it was really special in some very <laughs> special ways. And I, yeah, if, I can understand that. Mine I mean, too. <laughs> you know, if I had been waiting to see how many likes it got to know if I should have kept going, I wouldn't be talking to you right now. Um, and so <laughs> that work of telling ourselves a different story is really hard to do. And so on times when we can't do it, sometimes it's best to just step away and say, that's not a place where I need to be trying to figure out what's going on. I just need to keep doing what I love to do. And if I want to share it, great. If I don't feel like now's a good time to share stuff because I can't handle what I might get in response, then maybe it's just for me for a little while. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So knowing that you know yourself so well and you're very kind of in tune to this and you're, you're aware of some of your boundaries, how, how do you structure your day? Do you have any essential rituals that that support thriving or your creativity? Yeah. Um, so I, <laughs> I need a lot of alone time. This probably surprises no one. I do really well when I've given myself time to just be myself before I figure out what I need to do or be for anyone else. So morning is really important to me. Um, I take a lot of contemplative time and I have uh, practices that I hold really true And that includes reading and meditation. And I draw quite a bit, again, without any pretense. I'm not drawing anything that I'm going to sell or do something with. Just, you know, doodling to doodle. And I carve out that time before I do work for anyone else. So that I really just get to sit with myself for a little bit uh, before I go out into the world. I also have some contemplative practices that I do on different nights during the week. And that helps kind of give me little bookends to the day. Um, And that's a filling of my cup. Uh, You mentioned earlier, kind of, you know, like what fills you up. Mm -hmm. Uh, Having that quiet time where I'm not trying to juggle all the voices, I can just be with my own, really helps me to keep that part of myself, even when I'm going into a a crowd. And I mean that either physically or metaphorically when I'm going Mm. onto social media or something. Sure. I'm curious what advice you might give someone who feels challenged to make the time for those important practices. 
It's, oh gosh, it's so hard. Well, first, I want to be really honest. There are days when that practice is 10 minutes because that's all I could do. And maybe it's 10 minutes because I ran out of time, forgot, and I actually have to take 10 minutes because I'm at a little mini breaking point mid-morning. And I'm like, why am I so grumpy and unable to work well? And it's because I didn't have that time. So it's not always lovely and perfect. Um, But it is just something you have to make or you have to decide what you're prioritizing. And we all do it. I mean, we give up something. I really, I just so dearly love getting up and watching episodes of Murder, She Wrote. It makes me so happy. But it does not set me up for the best day ever. (laughs) Um, I don't need to be hearing J.B. Fletcher before I get started with work. And so it's a trade-off for me. Um, I... I give up a lot of other things in order to be able to do it because it's something that I love. Now, the other side of that is I don't have children. Um, I don't have, I'm not working outside of the home right now. I mean, I'm working a lot. Uh, This is something that takes a lot of my time, but I also want to be really respectful to the fact that I'm not raising tiny humans or going to a job um, that is needing a different piece of me. And so sometimes we, can't physically based on our surroundings make the same kind of choices as someone else Um, but I do think we still get to decide kind of where we shift some of our energy and this is where I'm shifting it for myself right now Mm, I appreciate that you mentioned that and I think that we all have to that's why sometimes it's so challenging to look at what other people are doing who may not have the exact same circumstances Um, but we all do have uh, the power to make choices throughout our days. And sometimes there will be trade-offs, um, some of which will, you know, <laughs> benefit you later down the line, uh, investing in meditation and creative practice versus murder she wrote. And sometimes you choose the murder she wrote, I'm sure. Like sometimes oh, it's... totally. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Right now it's not murder she wrote, but it's those really cheesy Christmas movies. I like to watch the first like five or 10 minutes and the last 15 because that's all you really, you know, like, tell me, tell me what the problem is. Like, what end did you inherit? What, you know, like, what yes. big business meaning do you need to accomplish? And then tell me how you decided to overcome all your differences and fall in love. Um, you know, that like dopamine hit of just a problem and a resolution. That's um, amazing. So that's my, that's my like morning. Of course, I don't feel guilty about it. Pleasure. But yeah. it's not the best choice for me all the time. So I don't do it every day. I get it. So speaking of you being a hope dealer, uh, you have this new project, Extravagant Hope. What does it mean to you and what inspired you to head this direction? So Extravagant Hope to me is stubborn hope. It's the kind of hope that like puts on a feather boa and marches out into the street, even though it's pouring rain and no one's going to see you and all your gorgeous garb. Um, It is the kind of hope that pushes back on the reality that life is just really hard. It just, it's really hard. And I mean that even pre pandemic, like it is hard to be a human Mm -hmm. Um, and in very different ways for different people. And so extravagant hope doesn't offer some magic solution. It says, hey, there are things in our ordinary life when we pay attention and are present to ourselves and to the the people in our community, um, whether that be in person or online, 
that can help get us through. And that's something I really, I hold dear to in my own life and what has helped me through, you know, grieving the loss of parents or whatever it is. It's something that allows me to take care of myself and the people around me. And so it's not cute or pretty. It's not easy necessarily, but it's a practice that is possible because it's just part of our daily life. So knowing that that's something that it's important for me to cultivate. A few years ago, uh, I created a monthly digital um, offering in my shop called Extravagant Hope, and I'm still playing with what this could look like. What I really wanted to do was be able to send it to people in the mail. But back then I thought I could never do that, which makes me laugh now because I am actually on um, day two of shipping the uh, November mailer. And so obviously it can be done, but Brandy back then didn't think it was possible, but I got to write a letter to people every month and to create these digital designs that helped encourage that practice. And now I've just transitioned into being able to bring that to life in the way that I really imagined, which is, um, actually physically delivering something to someone where they can open it up piece by piece, take some of it in, share a lot of it, and feel a little less alone, a little more seen, and a little more willing to believe that things can be better. Mm, that's so amazing. I, I love this example of how you started anyway, even though it wasn't, you, you didn't think you could do the the full meal deal to do all the things you wanted to do, but you started and it was because you had a purpose and a vision behind it. And even if you could never do that, it was still valuable and you wanted to get that message into the world. Yeah. I mean, um, one thing that I would say is that from that to now, that's like three years in between. So mm-hmm. it wasn't like I started anyways, and then it like magically worked. And, you know, it still took a lot of time for me to figure out and become brave enough to do it. And I think that's applicable to anything. People that want to start a creative project, especially those who are, I remember the earliest days of memory keeping and there's so much available. There's so many different ways it's being done and you're trying to figure out how you want to step your way into it. Um, The first part is what you just said. It's just starting anyways. It's giving it a go and being willing to do it badly before you can be better. And then two, knowing that it's not necessarily going to blow up as an overnight success. You won't just magically know how to do it. And now you have a whole beautiful Ikea shelf full of albums, you know? That's so true. (laughs) Very true. Now, I love some of your... Not, not some of them. I love all of them. But your your doodles and the way you create characters, just tell me that you have this gift in seeing people. And I'm sure your, your sensitivity is part of that. Um, sometimes it's like these intimate moments or sassy, I might not really say that out loud type of thoughts or just the uplifting message that I need in the moment. Um, where do you find inspiration for those characters? Uh. I pay attention a lot and it's not a fancy answer, but it is the most true. I um, am not always the loudest of people, especially in person, um, but I'm always listening. I consume a lot. Like I take a lot in. And so most of, 
everything comes from paying attention to the world around me, whether that's, um, I was going to say listening to someone, but eavesdropping, eavesdropping on someone in the grocery store or at the museum or the people that walk by your front yard in the morning, uh, paying attention to what people are posting and writing and commenting on social media, listening to my friends and family as they share where they are in their lives. All of those things, like someone will inevitably say every month when they get their extravagant hope in the note, like, this is exactly what I needed. How did you know I needed this? And it's not, I'm not magic by any means. <laughs> I have no perfect words. But the reality is, is that we all, we're in, the, we're in the same boat. I mean, that boat has very different circumstances, but we feel these things. Now, how you take the words and what they mean to you personally, that's something that's, that's so person to person. But the only reason I know to share these words is because I feel them too, or my sister feels them too, or I heard the woman at the grocery store while she was packing up my groceries and making conversation say something that reminds me she feels this as well. Um, the fact that we don't live in little bubbles, no matter how hard we sometimes try to tuck ourselves into them, we are universally feeling really big things. And so I'm really inspired by listening to the world and reporting it back in ways that offer someone a different lens. I'm wondering if, is that something that you've just always done throughout your whole life or did you have to kind of intentionally start noticing? Uh, so I think I've always been, I've always been a noticer and an observer. And that's, that's very clear from all of my childhood, like notebooks and diaries. And mm -hmm. um, I was also always the narrator in the school plays or, you know, any kind of like if there was a spot for a narrator, that was going to be me. Like I was going to be telling someone's story or bringing it, listening to the stories of the people around me. I think that what shifted as I became an adult and started thinking about how I re report or reflect things, these things back out into the world is I started validating that habit it wasn't just, oh, I like to eavesdrop, haha, ha, that's so cute, or oh, that's problematic, I should kind of think about it. It wasn't just these, you know, like, oh, I, you know, read a lot of books, or it was the fact that it matters, that those little snippets of overheard conversation in the grocery store, or that thing the woman says to you in the library kind of offhand, um, those are really important pieces of who we are to each other in the world. And that's how we build community uh, is we listen and share and pay attention. And so validating those things allowed me to really embrace it and to feel more comfortable sharing it with other people. Cause it, I don't feel like I'm the only one who's going to think this thing was interesting or this thing is beautiful. I trust that while someone might think it's interesting or beautiful in a different way than me, they still have a space to hold it. Um, that mm. it's it's important for us to pay attention and to share those things with each other and to do so because sometimes we can't see it because we're so distracted by something going on in the world. Like there are points where even I can't really observe the world because I'm worrying about, you know, my dog hurt his back or um, 
a medical bill or whatever it is that kind of comes in and distracts you. So thank goodness someone on Instagram has taken a picture of their toast and told me how great this local jam is um, and how the woman told her that it was like her grandmother's recipe. It's so seemingly small, but when I can't do that for myself, there's someone else to share that piece. And so embracing that allows me to do it even more often without feeling like it's something that doesn't matter. Mm, I just, I just love how you've taken something that was a strength, a, a gift of yourself and being able to, as you said, validate it, but just make it part of how you're expressing yourself. I think sometimes we try to, to quash our, you know, our little quirks and weirdness that maybe if they're just, they're a little bit more special than, than the rest of us. And instead of celebrating them and highlighting them and using them to, um, to grow and to share more authentically. So it's just, I love that so much. I want more people to share their quirks. Like that is something that I'm like, let's have a little, I'll have a little cardboard sign where I'm just like, share your quirks, share it. Let us feel less alone. Hundred percent. Yes, I'm curious if there's any illustrations or messages that you've written that you're particularly proud of that really like to stand out. That like, I'm so glad I shared this. You know, maybe because it was hard, or just because you thought it was beautiful. Yeah. Um. So I have a little. I have a. I just call her the pep talk girl. It's essentially me. I drew myself years ago. Um, and it's a sketch. It's a rough, like a digital pencil sketch of myself hollering with a speech bubble over my head. Mm-hmm. And I didn't use it. I tossed, I didn't like something about it. And I just moved on. And then when I went back and was going through old files, I found her again. And I think the first thing I ever wrote in the speech bubble um, was that you should love all your, you should love your roughest drafts, the roughest versions of you because they brought you here. Mm-hmm. And while I love so many things that I've written in that speech bubble over the years and so many other things, that was really the beginning of it because I pulled this piece of art that to me wasn't very good. I didn't really clean her up. She's the sketchy little thing. She's incomplete. And she tells the most truth. Like she is for me, she's me, but she's not me. Um, she's a place where I can embrace the learning. Because anything I share, anything I say, I have to own the fact that I might change my mind. Um, That I need to be here as human as I am, which is to say that I'm just really trying to figure things out. And sometimes I um, figure them out differently as I learn and grow more. But the fact that I can embrace those rough drafts, those versions, really just remind me that I needed them to kind of build into whatever I want to become. Um, just like that really heinous scrapbook page that I told you about. <laughs> uh, if I hadn't have done all of those, if I yes. hadn't have just kept going, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't have the voice that I do. So I really, that's probably one of my favorite pieces is just, you know, her in the beginning. Well, and and you saved her too. Like the fact that you're, your roughest drafts can inspire something in the future if you just, you know, accept it and, and, and hold on to it, you know, like it's yeah. kind of bury, you know, you know how coal turns into diamonds. It's that type yes. of thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
So do you have any advice for our listeners who are, are listening to us and their thing? But I just I struggle to bring some of these inside thoughts and feelings to the outside world. Where would you recommend they get started or what what practices do you think would most benefit them? Yeah. So I have two big ones. The first one is to really be honest with yourself about what's personal and what's private. Um, This is the boundary that I use in my storytelling. I started it with memory keeping, especially when I started doing more design team work and my uh, pieces were seen by more eyes. I don't necessarily create anything that will, that I will share that is, um, that's, private, you know, that is really, it's having to do with my family or something in a way where it's more guarded or I'm still dealing with it and I haven't figured out like how exactly I feel about it. And, uh, but personal things that are, you know, personal to me, I definitely feel empowered to share them because I know someone else needs to hear them. So figuring out what's personal and what's private to you can help people form those boundaries because sometimes it's not so much about what can I tell or how can I tell it? It's deciding where your line is, like where you're going to feel comfortable. Because if all you're doing is trying to push yourself out of your comfort zone, but you really don't have to, um, that can be really hard. The other piece is to write to yourself. So uh, writing a letter to yourself and being honest and tender with yourself is one of the best way to tell those heart stories. Because there's a kindness you can offer when you're like, dear Brandy, you had a really bad day and you yelled at your husband and it was kind of crummy, but here's how you turn this around and this is what it looks like to you. Or maybe you didn't turn it around and you're telling that story. Writing a letter is a way to kind of tell yourself back to yourself. So if you're someone who says, I want to tell these stories, I want to tell about these, these feelings and emotions, but I don't know how to do it telling yourself that story in a letter and imagining yourself writing it to a friend because you are your friend um, can really allow you to embrace it, I think. So figuring out your personal and private and writing yourself a letter. And the last one is to remember that sometimes what stops us is we wonder about who will see it. And so maybe just to embrace that no one actually has to see this, that you can create and tell all these things and it never has to go on Instagram. It never needs to, it never actually even needs to leave your craft room or the album, um, that you can do all of these things for you, um, not necessarily for the next generation or who you're passing it down to, that these stories can be told even if you're the only one that gets to read them back later. I think that's so important for us to remember and to create special spaces for those types of activities because I think we all we all need some of that. Yeah. So Brandy, can you share where we can find you online and maybe if you have anything exciting or new or interesting to share for 2022? Yeah. So uh, I have a website, brandykincaid.com, that I barely ever update because <laughs> <laughs> I'm just so busy working on the actual stuff right now, but it is a good landing point to be able to find my Instagram account. And it's also where you can sign up for my email newsletter that I send out once, sometimes twice a month. It's called the Pigeon Post. And that's a really good place to hear about what I'm doing because anytime I release something new, I also include it in that newsletter along with a lot of 
other things that I'm interested in or inspired in at that moment. I am going to be continuing with Extravagant Hope in 2022. It'll take a few little shifts um, just to keep things feeling um, extravagantly hopeful for those who have like spent a year with me. I'm making a few shifts so that we can just kind of keep growing and being surprised by um, what hope has to offer and um, then move towards some of the other things that I'd really like to be able to include in what I'm doing. But essentially nothing is as grand shifting as was for me this year. I'm just going to be continuing on with a lot of love and of course, a lot of hope. Yeah. Sometimes that's like, that feels like the best thing. Like, yes, there's other ideas, things that we could do, but sometimes it, what feels the most exciting is to just, uh, doing what you're doing and doing it better and, you know, just putting your all into it. So I love that. Yeah. I definitely, I think there's a lot of us that are, are feeling that. Brandy, this has been so delightful. I feel so fortunate to get to talk to you. Um, thank you so much. Well, thank you so much for having me. This was really, really wonderful. And to all of our listeners, please remember that you have permission to scrapbook your way. Are you ready to start implementing the great ideas you hear on the podcast? The Simple Scrapper membership offers a welcoming space to connect with fellow memory keepers and find the creative accountability you've been craving. Visit simplescrapper.com slash membership to learn more and join our community. It's the best it's ever been.